GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. This is the Gibraltar Today podcast. On the show, the Netball World Youth Cup 2025 has officially launched with Gibraltar to host. Netball president Moira Gomez and head coach Sarah Bias tells us more. Very small pellets of plastic called nurdles have been spotted on Camp Bay's shoreline. Marine conservation charity The Nautilus Project found them during a beach clean. We'll be hearing from Luis Agneto and Alex Sanchez-Soysa. Some exciting events to look forward to. Extra tickets go on sale for the Melon Diesel concert this summer. And comedian Sarah Milliken will return to The Rock. Jib Media's Jordan Lopez will discuss these two big events. But first, Parliament sparks heated debate. Our reporter Kevin Ruiz has been following proceedings. Kelly, it's been obviously very interesting as always to watch Democracy in Action. Last two days, uh, Parliament sessions in the afternoon running for a number of hours. A variety of questions as always being asked. Um, The government held accountable by the opposition. Now, a number of questions this week, um, this session, uh, put forward by opposition member Roy Clinton. Of course, he's responsible for public finances on the opposition benches. And he asked a number of questions. They're all related to that big topic, which has been uh, dominating the headlines the last few weeks. And of course, it's the public auditor's report. Roy had a few questions. We're going to listen to one of them. Madam Speaker, can the government advise what steps it has taken to ensure the Treasury Department is up-to-date in performing monthly bank reconciliations, a matter the principal auditor described in his recent report on section 3.2.24, as I quote, an essential control tool. Answer the Honourable the Chief Minister. Madam Speaker, I will answer together with questions 227 to 231. Now, question 227, the Honourable Aaron Clinton. Now up to there. Normal procedure. It is standard practice in Parliament that um, opposition members are invited to collect their questions that might be related in order to expedite proceedings Just in Parliament. Just to be a bit more efficient, not to save time. Exactly. They're bunched up. And the Chief Minister asked Roy to continue bunching questions. He said there he'd uh, address a number of uh, questions. Amongst them, they're all, of course, related to the public auditor's reports. The next question, for example, was uh, can the government uh, advise the status of the arrears recovery legislation referenced by the principal auditor in his recent report? The questions followed, and this is what the Chief Minister had to say. Madam Speaker, the government will address all these matters in the context of the debate of the motion set down by the Honourable Mr Clinton. Uh, Madam Speaker... (laughs) How do we address this? Will we raise a point of order? Madam Speaker, we struggle to understand how all of this is relevant to the motion that we have tabled because the motion that we have tabled is in relation to the delays of the reports together with a motion on the Public Accounts Committee. Uh, These questions are tabled uh, for specific answer and they deserve an answer. Now, some confusion there. Roy Clinton, the position member, did not know how to continue. The chief minister said he would not be answering those questions. He said he would be answering them in a separate session on Monday when a private member's motion by Roy Clinton himself will be moved. Um, The opposition wanted answers to those questions. The leader of the opposition intervened. Uh, uh, He pulled in the speaker as well. Um, The speaker um, 
did say she was not responsible for the... Uh, well, she's responsible for the questions in Parliament. She's not responsible for the answers given. And to her understanding, in her limited time as a speaker, she did admit... Um, if the opposition is of the view that the minister refuses to answer questions in Parliament, the opposition, an interesting tidbit there, can table the question again in three months' time. So there, the confusion. Now, Roy Clinton, as the chief minister referred there, um, he did. Um, he will be moving a motion. It's happening on Monday afternoon in Parliament. Um, it's all to, again to do with the public auditor's report triggered by that, and the opposition will be uh, moving a motion. Um, noting the delay in the tabling of the Principal Auditor's report, calling on the government to assist the Principal Auditor in completing his work on the public accounts of Gibraltar for the year 31st of March 2019 and also for the two-year period 2019-2021 in all the different stages and calls on the government to take the supplementary appropriation bill for the year 2021-2022. In a nutshell, it's basically to bring all the the, the public audits and public accounts up to date. Now... The opposition had some concern that the chief minister will be answering these questions during the debate for the um, the debates for the motion itself. We'll listen to a clip we've got there. Well, the motion that they have tabled may not be the motion that this house votes upon. The motion that they have tabled may be amended, and the amendment may be uh, making the motion wider. And the government's view is that these issues, which the honourable gentleman wants to ventilate, are ones which are properly ventilated in the context of that motion and which we will address. In other words, I have a note of all of these questions in my draft of the speech I will give in the context of the motion. I will address all of these issues in the context of the motion. It's a prospective thing that he is going to uh, propose on amendment, presumably in the normal device, where he is going to uh, seek to amend our motion and then uh, insert his wording, in respect of which he will then hook his reliance on uh, answering on these things. And in any event, uh, what will happen at that stage is, of course, we will be deprived of the opportunity to ask supplementary questions. Now, interestingly there, the opposition... Whilst the Chief Minister says he will be addressing these questions during the moving of the motion on Monday, the opposition is expressing concern that the amendment, the Chief Minister has spoken there about amendments to the motion in order to encompass all these questions and other issues related to the public auditor's report and the concerns from it, stemming from it. The opposition is concerned there won't be any opportunities for questions. It's a debate, there's specific questions they've asked, and they are concerned that those questions will not be answered specifically during the debate that is to be had on Monday afternoon. No doubt it's one to watch. Mm -hmm. It promises to be very heated. Of course, the public auditor's report sparked a lot of conversation in the community. Um, It starts at three. Parliament goes back into session Monday at three. And of course, our viewers and listeners can uh, follow the coverage live on GBC television and on Radio Gibraltar. The Netball World Youth Cup 2025 has officially launched with Gibraltar to host. Exciting news. It's going to be the first one since 2017 due to the COVID pandemic. And are now joined by Gibraltar Netball President Moira Gomez and also head coach Sarah Bayer. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this has been a long time coming. I mean, the process all began in 2019. How does it feel to kind of be one step closer? Well, I've got my days, actually. There are days when... One wants to run away and say this is too big. And then there are days when you get all that vibe and excitement, the buzz from everybody. This is coming. It's happening. Can't believe it. And then you say, 
yeah, we're doing well, we're going to get there. Because we can't underestimate the, ex- the, 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 the extent of this event. No, it really is world class. Just how big of, of a tournament are we talking here? World Netball has two big events. The biggest event is the actual World Cup, which is the Open Age Group. The second biggest event is the Netball World Youth Cup. So it's that big. So when you're talking about something like this, it's even like, because I saw your, we were discussing your media pack in the newsroom earlier today, and even details like the font you use is is under scrutiny. You know, when it comes down to your branding, like literally every little detail is being looked at. So that must be an incredibly uh, vast amount of work for you. It's vast amount of work and pressure. But at the same time, if you look at the logic of it, everybody works from the same hymn sheet and everybody uh, understands what is expected of them. So, so the brand is not disfigured and it's not different colours or different fonts. So in a way, even at, even at the beginning when we thought, well, this is a bit much, we do understand the context behind it and why it's um, set this way. And why is it important that Gibraltar hosts an event of this magnitude? Because we must sell Gibraltar as a destination. I think uh, we have a lot to offer. There's lots of countries in the world that everyone has a favourite country. But we need to be included in that list of favourite countries. And this is one of the ways of one... um, selling our lovely sport to the community, but also it's about Gibraltar as a community to come together and to sell it as a fantastic destination. The COVID took us with a big hit and we are here to start the Gibraltar revolution. <laughs> I like that. Sounds ambitious. What about yourself, Sarah, from the point of view of being the head coach? Well, I probably won't be coaching this this group because I'm, I obviously coach the seniors, so this is an under-21 competition. But you can see the excitement building with the younger players that have a chance of being able to, in 2025, being able to actually be a part of that setup. So if you look at the under-17s that are going to uh, play next in a couple of weeks' time, look at the under-19s and some of our under-21s could cu- the current under-21s could still make that team. So for them, it is an opportunity of a lifetime. And I think my older players would love to be in that position, you know, to play. Um, so it is something that would stay with those those young players forever. And, you know, they will be in their 60s still talking about it to their grandchildren. So I think it is huge for Gibraltar. It gives a platform for young players here to play at a top level. Um, and hopefully inspires more people to aspire to be to play at the top level. What about in terms of obstacles? A lot of work uh, will go into this. Um, for example, facilities. What kind of facilities are we talking here that will be needed for an event like this? Well, we're very lucky to say that we don't have to build facilities like ha- it happened with the Island Games. The facilities are already there. What we need to do is bring them up to the standard that is required. One of them could be the sprung floor at Europa, which is already being worked on as we speak for the under-17s because we are using the Europe Nepal under-17s in March as a test event. So the, there'll be different things that you will see, like heightened security 
transport plans, which will be much stricter, medical teams coming in. We'll, even on the field of play, you will see instead of the regular five technical officials, you'll see seven because rules are changing in May. So all of that is being taken into place. So, so um, the biggest obstacle is usually the buildings, things that need time to get there. And, and we are happy to say they're there. You're feeling confident? Yes, very. What about in terms of other countries and what their reaction uh, to Gibraltar being host has been? Well, I think I'm going to have to um, get my husband and sons to leave home so I can actually get some of the netball players and fans to come over. And, what, and stay with stay you? Over <laughs> How many can you fit uh, in your home, Wira? It was a, a hotline, a hotline after the announcement and uh, under the, the netball family were saying, oh, uh, I've got people coming over. Uh, where can we fit them in? And uh, anybody has their uh, rooms to lend out? So... Um, it's going to be very exciting, a big vibe. And and we've also had um, offers from Nebel enthusiasts who want to come over, not just to watch as a spectator, but to assist in volunteering. So it's, it's pretty good, pretty good. You also mentioned uh, that under-17s uh, Europe World Cup, uh, sorry, not World Cup, Europe tournament in just a couple of weeks' time. So is this perhaps a little bit of a practice run for next year's? Not as big of an event, but just to see how things are going. Yes, it is, because it's the first time that we will be working in two stadiums. We're working, obviously, at the Tercentenary, which we're very familiar with. But then we're also working at Europa Sports Park, which is a new venue for us. Um, we have, I think, 10 teams coming. That's right, two divisions. Two divisions, 10 teams. For the 2025 event, it's going to be um, 20. 20 teams. So it is a build-up to that. Um and it will be it will be very interesting. I mean, even this under seventeens, the the open tournament, you've got England, Scotland, um, Wales, Northern Ireland coming, who you know have great players. Um, and I think looking forward to twenty twenty five, it will just be, I think, important for people to realise how athletic and how great some of these top players are i mean they will be a joy to watch because they are really really top class players i'm sure we'll be following that very closely and you'll have to come back in to tell us how it's gone once it's once it's finished um just uh pointing out that the website as you said you can either sponsor or volunteer at the world uh tournament nwyc2025.gi is that where people can go for their information Moira? yes that's correct it's netball world youth cup 2025, but obviously the abbreviations, uh, .gi. And this is really a, a call out to the Gibraltar youth. We really want to encourage and empower the Gibraltar youth to come forward, to learn new skills, enhance their existing ones, whether it's languages, whether it's numbers that you like, whether you're good in IT, whether it's broadcasting that you're looking for, media, we have a role for you and this is going to be a, a youth tournament with our youth to help them out. So You're all hands on deck. Yes, definitely. I think they are probably one of the most hittest uh, age group during COVID and I think it's time for them to shine.
Very small pellets of plastic called nerdles have been spotted at Camp Bay shoreline after millions of them fell out of a shipment on a charter vessel in Galician waters recently. Marine conservation charity The Nautilus Project spotted them during their 114th beach clean. And joining me now is marine biologist Luis Agneto and Nautilus youth leader Alex Sanchez-Soisa. So thank you so much for, for joining me today, especially on a week that has been as busy as it has been, because as you were just saying, Lewis, it never rains, it pours. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's been a busy week. Uh, we've, this um, disaster in Galicia happened uh, in December, and um, there have been a number of findings of nurdles as, as the, the, the current, the oceanic current, moves the, uh, the plastic down um, uh, the coastline. And they've been found in Portugal. And recently, actually, they were found in Tarifa. So once they got there, we knew that it was a moment only of time. Only a matter of yeah, time. Yeah. And nurdles, I've only recently heard the term before. So these are little pellets of plastic. What, what are they used for? So nurdles is the term that you give to primary plastic. And this is plastic that hasn't been made into anything yet. Um, and, and so what happens is you melt this down, you inject it into a mould, and that's how you, you make the plastic. Of course, what happens is it's created in, in uh, certain places and then it's got to be shipped to other places. And what happens is, is that over the course of a year, millions of these uh, nurdles are lost at sea through one storm or another, and, and so they end up circulating around, around the oceans. So they're tiny, there are millions of them you described as a disaster. Just how detrimental are these nurdles to our ecosystem? All right, so they are quite toxic to the fish, so it could cause uh, toxicity to the fish or eventually it could bioaccumulate through the food chain to the top predators. Obviously, we are also a top predator and the tuna could also be a top predator. So the further down the food chain you go, the more toxic levels you have in those fish. So we are eventually absorbing these microplastics. Indeed, yeah. uh, especially the chemicals that line the, the plastic as well. And, and this is what we want to worry about because, uh, you know, obviously you're not eating plastic directly in terms of the nurdle. What you're eating uh, is a lot of the chemicals that, that have been lined, as Alex says, uh, that bioaccumulate through the, through the food web. And this is a worldwide uh, problem. Um, this find in particular was part of the Great Nerdle Hunt. Now that's what's, how it's been labelled recently. Correct, yeah. So the, the Great Nerdle Hunt is an organisation that basically monitors uh, um, these uh, nerdle distribution patterns throughout the world as people go finding them. If, you, if anyone cares to have a look at the website, you'll actually it's actually quite scary to see the digital map because there are pins everywhere. Uh, but it, it gives you an idea of, of just how prolific the problem is. Is it safe to say that we can expect more than on our shorelines? So, to, to be fair, I, yes, I, I think that the nerdles will continue to arrive uh, um, it's been very hard to quantify exactly how much uh, has has arrived. Why? Because you know when you sample a shoreline, um, what you what you're really looking at is how the sea has deposited a lot of this plastic debris. So that in some places you've got very high concentrations, whilst at the rest of the uh, shoreline there's very little. But what I'd ask the members of the public to do, if 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 they they can and if they're interested, what they're looking for is a, a lentil size, uh, normally clear bit of of plastic. Um, and and if they find anything, hold on to it. Uh, give us a call, and uh, um, and we will go collect it, and that'll help us to to ascertain quite how how bad the problem I is. I mean, when we're talking lentil size, really tiny. I mean, it must be really hard to pick up on these. Yeah, they are quite hard to pick up on. It's 
like finding a needle in a haystack. The size of the rocks, they could camouflage with pieces of glass, but uh, if anything, just if you find them, like Lewis said, please contact us. So these were found yesterday during a beach clean with St. Anne's. You're 114, so congratulations on reaching the 100 milestone. And now already, I don't know where you guys find the time, but you're already on 114. That was with school children from St. Anne's. So how did that go and how did the children react? So I think the first thing to say is is that, I mean, the, the reason why we've got 114 cleans is because the public uh, at large have been so good with engaging with, with the initiative. So, you know, we're very, very grateful to members of the public and organisations that get in touch in order to keep this initiative going, in order to keep the plastic off, off our shorelines. Um, it, it, to me, it's, it's a great privilege, especially when we work with children, because they get the problems that I think as adults we've started building mental barriers against. Um, and, and so, you know, when you talk to a child, they see it through very innocent eyes and, and you know, they actually enjoy uh, uh, the cleanup, you know, which seems a bit, you know, a, a contra flow, but, but it is actually they, they enjoy. It is satisfying because I know GBC, we recorded one with you guys a while back and I do get what you mean. It's satisfying. It's rewarding picking it up and knowing that you're you're doing just your little bit because like I said you've done 114 and there's just so many tons of plastic you've collected but even just knowing that you've done your little bit it is it's rewarding it's uh, motivating yeah definitely yeah and then uh, something else the kids learnt yesterday, I believe, is how to reuse some of those items that you picked up in terms of like upcycling so so what do they do with that so depending on the um, the item, um, when we do a lot of cleans on the beach, we often find little plastic moulds and things uh, that are in perfectly good working order. Um, and what the charity has been doing over the last number of years is collecting all these plastic toys. And what we've um, um, what we've done is we've created like a little deposit box which can be left on on the beach, and we're going to fill it with the toys that we've been recovering over the years. Is. That way, if you, you've got a young one and you're on the beach, I mean, Easter's around the corner, uh, you know, the weather's getting warmer, we've already seen a very warm February, um, and you're on the beach and you've forgotten that toy in order to make sand prints and, and sand castles, there will be some available on, on, on some of the beaches on, on these boxes. And the only thing we ask is that when you're done, you, you leave them back in the box so somebody else can enjoy it. Nice. And uh, as we said, tons of plastic uh, collected over the years. Just in terms of yesterday, can you give us an example of just how much was was retrieved in just one morning with, with some school children? So there was 40 kilos uh, of plastic in, in an hour. They were, they were very young. Um, That's so, incredible, in one hour. Yeah, but our average um, is, has actually been climbing steadily. So whether we're getting better at doing it, uh, whether people are, are more aware of kind of the nooks and crannies to, to look for it and we're just being more efficient, uh, has now crept up to about 83, 84 kilos in one hour. So, yeah, it, it is slightly worrying. However, on the flip side, I'm happy to report that the the public awareness of this issue, especially in the youth, has improved, you know, immeasurably because the amount of um, photographs and um, loggings and sightings of children uh, that, that send things in and say, look, we got this on the beach and we recovered, we recovered that or we rescued this starfish is, is, uh, is definitely on the up and, and that's great news for the coastline. 
And that's also thanks to you guys who do your outreach programs. I think also, was it this week that you also went to see Bishop Fitzgerald's school? Or Correct. quite recently? Correct. Talking um, about microplastic, yeah. So I suppose the older the children get as well, the more in-depth you can get into into the issues, no? Indeed. And, and the more complicated the, the questions become because it's something that they engage with very readily. So it's, it's, um, it's fantastic year on year to see some of this knowledge kind of working through the family structure because things that the older uh, kids didn't know now the younger ones do and and so there is progress being made for sure now alex uh, you guys have also launched your eighth nautilus world ocean day school competition planet ocean tides are changing Uh, talk us through what this competition entails so uh, i'll let Lewis go on to that one i haven't quite seen it yet (laughs) So the, the, the competition is, is our annual competition. Uh, what we want to encourage is, is uh, what happens every year. We don't want to nail it down to any particular art form or style. So if you're particularly good and you've got a group of friends of, you know, interpretive dance or you want to put together a play or you want to write a book or a poem or, or whatever it is, um, but it has to be marine-themed, um, then, then put that together and, and submit it to us. And, and, and what we do is we have within the schools we have an individual entry we can have a group or a class entry we can have a a a whole year entry and the final one is a a school entry so it's a school project where everyone in in the school took part and this year we've uh, for the second time uh, in a row we've got an international award for an international school because we've had schools from the uk get in touch saying oh amazing oh wow gonna take over the world soon i doubt that (laughs) never say never so a busy morning in terms of ticket sales today with two big events coming up. A final 200 tickets for Melon Diesel's big anniversary concert in June are now on sale and comedian Sarah Milliken is returning to The Rock. Joining me now is Jim Media and buytickets.gi's Jordan Lopez. Good afternoon, Jordan. Good Thank afternoon. you for joining us. A big Thank morning of ticket sales. How's it gone? Yeah, it's gone really, really well. I mean, it's, uh, it's been, a, uh, it's been a, a strange one because it's been the first time ever that we've released an event which is happening in 2025, you know, so it's... Um, so, really yeah. looking ahead. So really looking ahead. But the ahead. demand is obviously there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, but it's still something very, very, very new. I mean, we've done hundreds of events, thousands of events already with, our, with the platform, and we've never really sold tickets so far in advance, but it's something very common, obviously, all over the world, just in Jib. It hasn't really been that common. It's always been like a three-month um, ahead thing. So, yeah, but it's still been really, really good. We've sold loads of tickets this morning for the event, and... Uh, and yeah, and we've also released the tickets for Melon D, the, the final batch, which uh, have gone out this morning as well. So there's very, very few of them left. So if you want them, you need to go and get them now. It's been pretty crazy, you know, the response to to, to the concert uh, tickets. Yeah, to be honest, it's been... Uh, I mean, when I was discussing with Seamus uh, from Gibraltar Cultural Services about it, I mean, we always expected it to be a popular event, you know, especially after this, the shows at the Sunborn more than a year ago. But um, but n- not not this successful. So I mean, not I mean, unexpected, but yeah, it's still, it has I, been immense. I think it's just created. It's um, I think the the shows at the Sunbun um, a year ago really created a bit of a that ambiente, you know, that people had been missing for a very long time. And it's the age group that the show attracts is very specific as well. So I think that really has brought everything together and made it um, the the thing or the events to go to. You know, like oh, you know, and that type of thing. And it's created a a whole um good vibe and it's going to be and then if you don't have tickets you'd have FOMO (laughs) exactly and now everyone's like we need to get tickets we need to get tickets so people have been writing to us for the last uh, two weeks that we've been uh, sold out um, you know asking why we were going to release more tickets or not and stuff and especially since we released the um, the support tax which we released uh, Cedar 
and uh, DJ Wayne, which will be on the after party, which is right there. People have been asking us, oh, where is the after party? Well, it's happening at the same venue. We won't ask you to go anywhere. I feel like it would be rude if we didn't play a little bit of Melon Diesel. Absolutely. Melon Diesel and just a few tickets left. How many are we talking here? We're talking probably about 50 tickets left from the... Okay. From the this is my favourite song, by the way. That you just I know, played. me too. That's, okay. why we, that's why I chose it. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. But yeah, only 50 tickets left for, for the standing area for, for Melon Diesel. So um, mm. if you want to get tickets and you really need... You later you on are going to be like, not we walk. won't be releasing any more tickets. Mm, so this it's is not your like last this chance. Of, you know, we're not going to fake... You know, sometimes people then release tickets. Either. This is unfortunately we don't have more That's space. That's it. That's it. The last two hundred, which we have like fifty left. So if you don't get it now, there won't be a, a chance later on to to get them. But if you're not in luck with Melon Diesel and comedy is more your thing, yeah. then Sarah Millican is returning. I mean, she's already been to the Rock once before, yeah. but this forms part of a world tour, right? We're just one of her stops. That's right. Um, she's currently her, her tour started at the beginning or uh, just at the middle of last year with his, her late bloomer tour in the UK. So she's finishing her UK leg now, and now all the international dates for her world tour are being released. So currently they've released um, mostly places in Europe, but um, Australia is going to be added, Canada, um, America, and uh, some other countries I don't even know. But, uh, but yeah, And they're it's, selling it's, like hotcakes. Absolutely. It's inc- the, the comedy, um, the UK comedy has really exploded in the international scene like never before. I mean, this is very, very recent of the last like four years. And I think Jimmy Carr was the first one to ever really risk it. I mean, Jimmy Carr right now is in Thailand doing shows. He's been uh, all over India. I mean, I, I talk to his manager quite often because he's on tour with him all the time and he's got nothing to do than wait in all these countries. And he, he was telling me how, how crazy it is, you know, to turn up to India and and people be turning up to his shows and filling up like yeah, thousands of seats. Comedy is obviously you know? translating yeah. around the world. So, no? so yeah, so, and especially British comedians are, are really doing well abroad. So... More and more, you know, these tours are being extended by sort of one tour will take three years to complete the whole cycle of that of that show. So, um, so yeah, so Sarah's, uh, I mean, Sarah's doing extremely well. I mean, we've been talking to other organisers, um, especially in Amsterdam and, and other places, and they were telling us just the crazy demand already for, for shows like hers, which are being added in dates. But we already had two dates from the outset, so uh, we haven't had to add the dates yet. If not, we would have had to. But, uh, you must be proud, though, as well, because she's already been in Gibraltar. You must have done something right the first time for her to be willing and able to come back again. Absolutely. I mean, now competition for international dates is, is quite high, so um, it, it's it's no longer so. So Gibraltar now f- falls part of a wider group, um, but we still need to fight our corner. Mm-hmm. But Gibraltar has that uniqueness. I think the, the cave is very unique, like with John Bishop, I think, which is happening this April. Um, I think the reason why some of them are coming back are because of the venue. So when we do try and offer an alternative venue, they're like, oh, we, you know, a sports hall is very... Uh, the cave is in high demand. You know, the, <laughs> the cave is in better demand. So, so, we do, so we do well with that as a unique selling point. I mean, we've got a few more. Hopefully for this year, we've got two really, really big ones coming. But obviously, we, you know, we are... Uh, always, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, but we are closer than we've ever been. So, uh, so Ooh, hopefully, uh, so okay. yeah. I mean, I don't. That was quite I, the tease, yeah. Jordan. It is a tease. It is a tease. <laughs> but um, we, we've got two which uh, we've been wanting to bring for many, many years, and uh, we hope that it happens. But it would be obviously for um, for September, October type uh, time. But uh, yeah, it all depends if they sign that dotted line whether it will happen or not. But hopefully, with the with the demand of these shows of Sarah and uh, John Bishop that we've just released. 
then hopefully that makes will, it even uh, more enticing. Exactly. Maybe it sort of throws us over the line and they're like, okay, Jordan, we'll go to Gibraltar. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.